0: listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. Uh, here at Story City, we stand in order to to demonstrate physically uh, the fact that we are being attentive to the Lord speaking. This is out of Luke chapter 12. Uh, and at the end, I'll say, This is the word of the Lord, and you'll respond with, Thanks be to God. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap, they don't have a storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth more than the birds? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith?" Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you your kingdom, the kingdom. Sell all your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Chris.
1: Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? I'm doing all right. I heard a couple of woos. That's good. Woo, woo. Uh, my name is Samir. I have the honor of being one of the pastors here. Uh, We like to say one of the pastors because we are a plurality of leadership here. Uh, We believe in pastoral leadership being uh, led in plurality where it's not just one hierarchical format, but it's a plurality of those that believe in God's mission that work together uh, for his will. And that's what we're about here. Uh, I wanna first say it's so good to see you on a day where we get an extra hour. Yeah, some claps for that. And with the extra hour, you chose to come to church, and I want to say you made the right decision. So, and we're kind of going to go into a new series on on stewarding our time and our stuff and our things, and you're stewarding your time well by being here with us this morning. Um, we've been in a series the last few months called "Equipped for Depth and Restoration in Christ." And through that series, we took each month to kind of specify what we're hoping to enlighten us with in our growth and being equipped for God's kingdom as we grow as individuals and as a body. September, we looked at spiritual disciplines, disciplines that were leading us into deeper intimacy and relationship with God and one another. That's what we looked at in September. We talked about Sabbath, we talked about rest, prayer, meditating, being in church, meditating in God's word. Things like that. In October this last month, we looked at spiritual gifts and we looked at the empowerment of God's spirit in us as we grow, that we are in need of God's spirit in us to grow. We can't do it on our own, that we're weak, our flesh is weak, and we are prone to fall away if we don't have God with us. And today, this month, we're going to go into... The uh, the heart of how we use our things, stewarding our money, our time, our energy, our gifts well to bring God glory and to help others around us. How do we do that well? What does that look like as God's children? And that's really a part of being equipped as disciples of Jesus. So, so important. I don't think we talk about that enough in the church. It's almost taboo in some sense because we want to say, that's my stuff. That's, that's my time. That's what I do. Who cares what you think? That's a lot of what our response is. But today, I want to focus on, as we kind of kick that off, on the heart of why we don't steward our time well and why we do steward our time well for the sake of God's kingdom and for the sake of the good of others. Um, And so I want to dive into that and what does that look like and the reality that God is calling us, Jesus is calling us into a life of displaying God's kingdom through our stuff, through our life, through our things. Uh, I want to pray for us and then we'll dive in and pray. Jesus, we thank you for another day. Uh, You've given us an extra hour and we don't want to take that time for granted or that time lightly. We're grateful to be With you, uh, as you are present with us right now, we thank you that you are here and that we are here with each other, that you've blessed us with every moment. God, we pray for your spirit to empower and dwell in us. Uh, Will you teach us this morning through your word? Will you teach us how to live a life honoring to you that is for your glory and for our good? Uh, We love you, Jesus. Uh, May I decrease so that you can increase this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know if you ever uh, heard or seen the experiment about uh, instant gratification. Uh, Kind of the the thought of the experiment was, will children take delayed gratification over instant gratification? The study showed, this is what they did, they did it twice, they did a marshmallow one time and then they used a slice of cake the other time. They brought kids into a room, one by one, they gave them a marshmallow or a slice of cake and they said... Hey, you can have this cake, you can have this piece of marshmallow, whatever you want, and you can eat it right now, it's yours and no strings attached. Or you can wait 15 minutes and when I come back and it's still there, I'll give you the whole cake or I'll give you six marshmallows instead of just one. The thought is, what what would the child do in that instance, knowing that 15 minutes later, they're actually gonna get a better gift than just this one piece of candy or, 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 or cake. And some, some studies showed later on and 40 years later, because this was a long time ago, that children that actually were patient enough to withhold from eating in, immediately and to take the gratification later were actually grew up to, to, to have generally more success and were happier overall. See, delayed gratification is, is a huge challenge. It's, it's a huge challenge for us spiritually and physically in our daily lives. Every single day. It affects every decision that we make, right? Like what, what we're, we're going to eat in that moment, uh, you know, tomorrow it affects us. Well, we eat it now, it tastes good, right? What, what we are doing with our money, how we are spending our time, how we take care of our bodies, all of those things matter when it comes to the gratification of now or the benefit of tomorrow or in the future. What we eat or where we put our money and how we spend our time matters. I don't know if you guys read this book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. He talks about this a little bit in his book. I was reading it this week and thought it fit really well He says this about instant gratification. He says, our preference as humans, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, could be, but he says this, our preference for instant gratification reveals an important truth about success. Because of how we are wired, most people will spend all day chasing a quick hit of satisfaction. The road less traveled is the road of delayed gratification. If you're willing to wait for the rewards, you'll face less competition and often get a bigger payoff later on. As the saying goes, the last mile is always the least crowded. I just think that's interesting because this is actually a biblical concept that James here is talking about. The idea of delayed gratification, thinking about future effect, thinking about the discipline it takes today for the benefit of tomorrow. The why and the root of our heart identity affects the decisions we make today and how we spend our time, our gifts, and our talents every single moment. Jesus in our text that we just read is cutting to the heart issue of this very thing. He's displaying the eternal reality of our instant gratification that we tend to want to gratify here and now when he's saying, look at the big picture. Raise up your head. The kingdom is at hand. He's inviting us into something here. The struggle with delayed gratification and why we suck at stewarding our things well for the kingdom of God matters. He invites us into a solution. That's what we're going to run into today through this passage. I want to give a context of Jesus' time here when he's talking to the people that he was talking to in the passage we just read. It's important to recognize that Jesus here is preaching to not a group of royal priesthoods or royal, you know, riches. He's not talking to the rich of the rich. And he's not talking necessarily to the people on the streets where they're begging for the food. He's talking to the ones that were able to walk and gather with him in that moment where most of them were of a middle class of social setting. Right? That they they all had this type of ability to to get food and, and, and work hard and be a working class and not the richest of rich or the poorest of poor. It's important to know our context when we read it because this is who Jesus is speaking to at this moment. This is what he's talking about when he's talking about what he's reading. We'll read it again. I would like to say, and I I believe, that our demographic here in this room is very similar to the demographic that Jesus is speaking to. That this people group Jesus is speaking to is relatively similar to ours in our community, here in this room and in our community, not the riches of rich or the poorest of poor, but yet we are anxious and toil over the same fears and thoughts that they do relative to our modern context. Many, if not all of us, we desire so much to steward our things well, to steward our time well, to steward our money well, to steward our efforts well, our energy, our gifts, the things that God has given us, all these things. We, we, if every single one of us would be asked, we'd be like, yeah, of course, I would want to do that well. But for whatever reason, it is one of the hardest things to be consistent in. Why is that? Why is it so hard? What are the lies that we are believing? Or maybe what are the idols that we are worshiping that is causing us to hold onto or hoard the things that God has blessed us with and withhold it from blessing others and to display kingdom purposes with our stuff. What is it? So I want to give us our big idea for today in this passage. I believe that Jesus invites us to pursue a kingdom promised, not earned. It's a big idea that Jesus invites us to pursue a kingdom promised, not earned. What is this kingdom? This kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. This is not the kingdom of social media where social media says, chase after the things that gratify you today and now. This is not the kingdom of this world who says, get what you want to be happy in this moment no matter what it takes because you're more important than anything or anyone else. That's what this world tells us. This is an upside down kingdom where it says, withhold from things now because your greater future, your greater reward is so much better than what this is right here and now. A kingdom that ultimately is the pure satisfaction of our eternal souls for all of eternity, not just for today. This is the kingdom that Jesus is inviting us into, a promised kingdom that he is inviting us into. Now, the question is, how do we embrace this invitation? How do we embrace it? How do we receive it? And so I want to give us three ways we do that. And within the three ways that we receive this promise, this invitation, I want to give us three truths underneath those ways. The first way is first and foremost that we are valued children of the king. We have to understand that it starts with our identity. It starts with our identity. We are valued children of the king. We must understand that in order to know how we utilize our things. Let's read verses 20 through 26 in how Jesus is is referencing this exact thing. He says, then he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life what you will eat or about, what you, what, about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. Don't they sow or reap? They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Here it is. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can you, I'm sorry, can any of you add one moment of his lifespan by worrying If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Aren't you worth more than the birds? You and I, those in God, are worthy children of the king. You see, the tendency, these are the three truths of every single one of these ways. The first thing is the tendency. What is our tendency in this reality? Our tendency is really to say, I'm not worth this. I'm not worthy of God's blessings. Or God doesn't see me. He forgets me. I'm forgotten by God. So I'm going to give up or I'm going to give up or I'm going to actually do whatever it takes for me to earn it for myself because no one else cares for me. Those are our tendencies. And with that, anxiety and fear overwhelm us. With that perspective, anxiety and fear overwhelm us because it's all on us. The identity fact is that we think it's all on us to figure it out. Because what we value is then exposed in that moment. What we treasure reveals who or what we trust. If we treasure possessions and material things, then our trust is clearly in money and possessions. Which then our identity gets shaken which then the dependence of these things are holding us to that moment. I don't have this, so my identity is shaken. I need to pursue this, so my anxiety rises. If I don't have it, then I am losing. So we worry. Back to James Clear here. Atomic Habits, he says this about this very thing about identity. He says, many people begin the process of changing their habits by focusing on what they want to achieve. Most people just focus on the what they want to achieve. This leads us to the outcome based on just habits alone. The alternative, though, is to build identity-based habits, With this approach, we start by focusing on who we wish to become, and in our case, who we truly are in God. That through building strong, healthy, good habits really starts with who we believe we are, our identity. Who are we? Do we believe that we are God's children who are cared for? The kingdom promise that we see here that Jesus is saying, he's saying that the kings, that we are the king's beloved child, that we are more worthy than any, all of creation. Everything that was created in this world, every single bit, all the beauties, all the mountains, all the trees, all the birds, all the the animals, all the beauties of all creation, they're great, but they're nothing close to the beauty and wonder and worth that God created in you. You are so much more worthy and beautiful and desirable by God than anything this world has to offer. Period. Do we believe that? Do we believe that he has our back? That he loves us that much? That we are deeply loved by the eternal creator of all things? I know that's like even hard to even fathom. That the creator of all things said it wasn't really finalized and fully good until we were created. He loves you that much. Our identity matters. So then how do we live in this kingdom if this is the truth? That we can now in this truth rest in the confidence of the most generous and perfect father. That we have a father who is generous and perfect to love us well. Which transforms the way we live. Which transforms the belief of that, the reality that God gots my back. He has me in his arms. The reality of worshiping and treasuring God is highlighted over worshiping the stuff that we are pursuing. Because he is worthy of our worship. This is how anxiety and fear are overcome. I know it's easier said than done, and I'm not saying that all of anxiety, I know there's medical things that happen with that as well, so I'm not including that. I'm just saying the general sense of anxiety and worry about life most of the time is where our worship lies. Where are we worshiping? Who are we worshiping? What are we worshiping? What are we relying on? Who are we dependent on? On ourselves and what we can do and knowing that we fall short over and over, which is true which has causes a lot of anxiety and worry? Or are we dependent on the Father, the Creator, the God who loves us deeply, who is the greatest, generous, perfect God and Father that gives us good things? And he's with us and he's for us. The idols of control and comfort in our hearts can cause anxiety in the moments of uncertainty. But when our hearts are certain to know that we are God's children... We can live in confidence in that truth. The first way that's our first way, is that we are valued children of the king. The second way is that we now have a kingdom-focused ambition. We now, in that truth of identity and who we are in Jesus, we now have a kingdom-focused ambition. What does that mean? That means we have a mind shift of why we do what we do. A mind shift of why we live the way we live. Why we work the way we work. Luke uh, verses 27 through twenty through 30 in the same section of scripture. I want to continue our reading. It says this. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass which is in the field today and, and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly, eagerly seeks all these things, and your father knows that you need them. He's saying, don't run aimlessly. Don't grind On your own. Don't worry about all that stuff. The grind, the hard work, the labor, the striving, all that, if we're focusing that on on the desire to seek honor or money or power or prestige or providing, we lose the heart of the reality that the Father is our provider. He is providing for us. Because the Gentile world says, go get it, go after it, run after it, you can do it. It's all about you. But the kingdom promise is that our Father knows what we need and gives good gifts. He knows what we need and gives good gifts. Our aimless worldly striving is unnecessary and really is tiring. It's tiring. So we can now rest in his promise that he got you. We don't need to strive aimlessly anymore. So what does that mean? How do I live then? i mean, I have to work. Right? What are you talking about? What are you trying to say here? What I'm trying to say is that we can now lived, live with redeemed ambition. With the ambition knowing that we are now working and striving towards kingdom advances. We are now striving and working towards the kingdom work. Though, towards the love of God and love that he loves for us. That we can do it knowing that we already won the race. That we can work strong and hard, not because we are earning the love or earning people's respect or earning the honor that God can now care for me, no, no, no. We're working out of a place of victory already. An ambition that is driven by rest in Jesus. See, that the grind isn't now anymore, that I need to do this or else I won't be loved or that I won't have the money or power that I've been striving for. Rather, it's I get to work so I can be a blessing to many for the sake of the kingdom. That I can now provide for my family so that I can give back to the kingdom of God to help see change and to to see transformation in my city for his glory. I get to be a part of that now. That my grind is now redeemed and my mind is now shifted, not for the sake of survival, but the sake of of thriving and giving back of my things so that God can be honored and glorified and that God can care for those that love me and I love. Our ambitions are good. They just need to be redeemed. Our striving can be good. They just need to be redeemed and our focus needs to shift. But when we don't have the identity as God's children, it's hard because we think it's all on us to figure it out. It's all on us to to provide every moment. But when we have the identity that God's got us, he's with us, he's for us, he's he's my good father who gives good gifts, who gives generously, I can then now work every day knowing that I am working for a greater good that's above mine. That the burden that I have and for me, it's, it's a lot of things that is happening in the Middle East, a lot of things that is happening in our city. We're like, things need to change. Justice needs to happen. People need to know Jesus. People want and desire to live a life of rest. And want to be known by God. But they don't know where to turn. They don't know what to do. This is necessary. We have the answer to cancer in some sense, right? We have the answer to this need of hurting broken hearts. And we can easily be comforted by the day-to-day, the middle class. That's the hard part about the middle class. Like it's just simple. Because we can live day-to-day and, and protect our little picket fence and know that we're good. But the reality is Jesus is challenging us and saying, I'm inviting you into the kingdom of God. I'm inviting you in to have a redeemed ambition. What's burdening your heart? How do we have that mind shift? And how I get to, I get to work for the sake of my family, my loved ones, my community, my city, and for the greater good of the kingdom of God. What a joy it is that we can now have a kingdom-focused ambition. And our third way is that we can now live in joyful generosity in the kingdom. We can now live in joyful generosity in the kingdom. When we are clear in our identity and who we are and who God's called us to be, we have a clear focus of our being, of our situation, of our true self. We can now focus our work on kingdom work, that every day my job is not just a job, it's for the sake of the kingdom, no matter what it is. And now I can joyfully be generous in the kingdom of God with those that I love and that love me. The life motto then becomes, I am blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. Verses 31 through 34, this is what Jesus is saying here. He says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. This is Jesus' words. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. He delights to give you the kingdom. He's a good father. He wants to give it to you. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old and exhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is he saying here? Is he saying being rich is bad, don't have money, just give it all away, that's not what he's saying because we have to read the context of the passage. And right before he goes into this section, he tells a parable about a rich man and what he did with his wealth. And it's important for us to read that right now to know what he's actually saying in this moment. This is what it says, verses 15 through 21. He tells this parable. He says, then he told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Okay, he's continuing that thread. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do? Since I don't have anywhere to store my crops, I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger, build bigger ones and store all my grains and all my goods in there. They'll say to my, then I'll say to myself, You have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is demanded of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it will be with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. You see, God is not frustrated at the riches. God is not frustrated at this man being able to provide in such amazing ways. God is frustrated about the greed that this man has. He's frustrated at the fact that he has all these blessings and what he's choosing to do with them is build a bigger storehouse so that they can just be there for later just in case something happens so that I could benefit, only I could benefit from it. He's saying, Are you fool. This is for the greater good of humanity. This is for the greater good of my kingdom. This is for the advancement of what I have prepared for you. And yet you're hoarding it. And yet you're putting it aside. It's the greed and the hoarding of a great gift. Which is, in this case, being able to make a lot of money, right? In the context for today. Being able to do something like that. That's the frustration And the blessings and the possessions that this man was hoarding rather than allowing it to be able to bring God glory in the midst of his area, his community. I'm sure in this parable, like this is not just a story of someone that's never done this. Like, this is a common thing. Even today, we're told, store up all your treasures, all your treasures, all your treasures for just in case something happens, or when you retire, you can just sit back in an island somewhere and not care for anyone or anything else and use all that money for all the food and all the drink you can enjoy. That's what we're told, right? That's what we're told to do with it. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't retire or that we shouldn't be able to store things up so that we can take care of our family. That's not the case here. It's how we're utilizing those funds. How we're utilizing what God has blessed us with. Is it for the greater good of those around us and for our our city and for the kingdom of God for the future of all eternity? Or is it just so that I can have as many mimosas as I want? Right, or whatever the case is. Because the kingdom promise here is that there is an eternal abundance and treasure in heaven for all of us. There is an eternal promise of heaven. There is an eternal promise of treasures in heaven that he says he delights to give us the kingdom. The father delights to give us the kingdom. Do you understand that? The king that owns and created all things in all the world he desires to give you, and yet we're so afraid of this little amount that we have. He's like, pick up your head. Look at the big picture. What you have is nothing in compared to what I have and what I want to give you. For all eternity. It's not for the present. It's for the kingdom. What are the riches in the kingdom? What is that? And I think in in our world today, the greatest treasures we can have is joy. The greatest treasures we can have is peace. The greatest treasures we can have is comfort in knowing who we are in Jesus. The greatest treasures we can have is hope. And hope of knowing that one day all things will be restored back to how they were supposed to be. The greatest thing we can have is faith in a God who cares and loves us. The greatest thing we can have is dependence on this God who is there to give us all things for the sake of his good and our good. And ultimately, the greatest gift and the greatest treasure we can have is Jesus. Jesus is the greatest treasure of them all. He gives of himself to us. Because the reality is he wants to give us the kingdom, but there is no kingdom without the king. There is no kingdom without the king. He is our prize. He is the only reason that there is a way for us to be near to the Father. He is the only reason that we have a a relationship with Him with no more barriers because of what He did. He came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave to prove that death has no more hold. And then He says, Come, believe in me, and you will have life. He is our prize. He is our eternal prize, the perfect life, death, and resurrection and union now we have with him. So as we close, what does that mean for us? How do we then live? How do we live in this kingdom of truth? To live a life of generosity as we imitate our king, the most generous of them all. He gave it all. He didn't have to calm down. He didn't have to come in the flesh. He was perfect. He was whole in and himself. He didn't need to come and sacrifice and give up himself and die and live a perfect life and resurrect and, and want to meet us. He didn't have to do any of that. and He would have been fully justified not to do it. But yet he gave himself. But yet he chose to be generous with all that he is and give. It doesn't matter, It doesn't matter how much we have. It doesn't matter how much we have. It doesn't matter how poor we are, how rich we are. It doesn't matter because whether you're poor or you're rich, greed is a reality. Whether you're poor or rich, we hoard. This is the tendency of the human heart. We think about the present now. We think about right now. And we forget about eternity and tomorrow. Generosity is a matter of the heart. We all can give what we are uniquely able to give, our time, our time. We all have time, we all have energy, we all have gifts, we all have talents, and we all have money to some degree, right? Our heart is the issue, not our stuff. We are all unique, but we all can give. Do I give away my gifts, talents, time, and money because I know I am a valued child of the king and he's going to take care of me and I want to give back because he gave it all to me so that now I have the opportunity to give back and to be a part of the kingdom work here in this world so that all of eternity can be blessed because... My brother that I go to school with doesn't know Jesus. What an opportunity I have to restore his heart before God so that they know who God is. Am I a part of giving away the gospel or giving away my time or giving away my energy in this city so that the world may be better for the sake of the kingdom? Trusting that the delayed gratification of what's to come in glory is the greatest thing we could ever experience. The delayed gratification of eternity is so much better than this moment. We can't take our stuff with us, y'all. It's the truth. Once the end comes, you can't take it all with you. What are we doing with it now? What are we doing with it today, here and now? Because we want to build a legacy. We want to build a life. We want to pass things on into our family generation, right? But the greatest thing we can do for our children is to raise up Jesus-loving, high-character, self-sacrificial, and generous children that will use their wealth... That you send on, and when I say wealth, I mean your wealth of money, your wealth of knowledge, your wealth of love, your wealth of your, your, the understanding of who God is. That you're passing on to your children or to those around you, your friends, those you care for. Those are the things that are being passed on to expand and change the world. For the greater good of the kingdom and all of humanity. That's a true legacy built. When we give it all away for the sake of the kingdom, an eternal focused one that will help change lives. So in conclusion, let us remember that Jesus invites us to pursue a kingdom promised, not earned. We are valued children of the King and our worth is found in God's love for us. With a kingdom focused ambition, we find true fulfillment by seeking God's kingdom above all else. In living out a joyful generosity, we become witnesses of God's grace and love to those around us. So, I wanna ask you how has God been stirring in your heart to be more generous with what He has given you? I'm not just saying money, I'm talking about your time, your energy, your gifts. God gifted every single one of you. How are we equipped? to utilize God's gifts in our lives for his greater good, for God's glory, and for those that are around you, those that are in need of your gifts so that you can bless them and that they can revertly also send back that gift and blessing back to you. How are we doing that together in God's kingdom to steward what he has given us? We meditate on these truths that we read in Luke 12. Let us commit ourselves to live in the reality of God's kingdom, May we trust in his provision, seek his kingdom above all else, and live lives of joyful generosity that reflect the love and grace we have received from our heavenly father. In doing so, we bring glory to his name and experience the abundant life he has promised to us. Not just for today, but for all eternity. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that you are the greatest gift giver of all. That this topic is hard because we get so attached to our things, to get so attached because we, quote unquote, are working so hard for it. But in reality, the very thing that we are doing and working hard, the hands that we've been given, the energy and the thoughts and the gifts that we have are not from us, they're from you, Jesus. We would be nothing without you creating us and making us and drawing us near to yourself. Help us, Lord, to have an identity and understanding that you are the Father, of our lives. You are the beautiful, perfect God who loves us well. And Lord, that that we now can have a redeemed ambition that we get to work, not just for our sake, but for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of those around us, for the sake that love you, and for the sake that don't know you yet, that we'll get to know you because of the hard work we put in, and that we can give back of ourselves for your greater purpose. And that we not only can do that, but we can do it joyfully and be generous the same way you came, Jesus, to this earth. Like Hebrews says, you joyfully pursued the cross. In knowing the pain that you were going to endure, you took it on yourself. You bled and you broke your body and you shed your blood so that we can have abundance in life. And we tend to, hold on and hoard the little things that we already have when you were willing to give up your all for us. Jesus, will you stir our hearts to be more like you, to be generous with our stuff, not because they're something that we, we are so good at or that, that we're so good at this stuff and we want to make it in a, about us and we want to show it off. No, Lord, we want to do it for the sake of your goodness, for your kingdom, because you are then highlighted. Thank you for dying for us, Jesus. Thank you for taking the cross for us. And not only that, you you rose from the grave to prove, to prove that you conquered it, that you finished it all so that we can have relationship with you. So God, would you restore our hearts? Would you redeem our hearts? Would you create depth in our hearts to be near to you and to be generous as you are generous and to be a kingdom people a desire to see wholeness when you return. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at eleven zero eleven Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at storycitygh or online at storycitychurch.com. Go and be the church.